0: Welcome to LedgerCast. This is a podcast about the cryptocurrency space, including technical and fundamental analysis. It's hosted by myself, Brian Krogsgard, and my co-host, Josh Olsiewicz. In this episode, we actually talk about buy and sell targets, how we choose our buy targets, how we choose when to sell, what we look at, the technical indicators that we like to use. It's a pretty technical episode, and there's a lot of links in the show notes that you can use to check out visually what we're looking at when we do these things. We've got some charts to show you, some videos that you can Uh, look at and some articles with price analysis of the coins that we're trading we also of course talk about the news of the week and everything that's going on in the crypto space it's been a crazy one Uh, i think that's going to be a recurring theme on this podcast that it's been a wild week in crypto seems to be what happens Uh, it's a lot of fun hope you check it out Uh, we also take audience questions if you have another question for us you can just tweet ledger status or carpe noctum what your question is and we'll try to include that on the show as well and if you like the podcast, go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. We really appreciate that, and it helps a lot. So that's about it, and I hope you enjoy the show. Here you go. Hello, and welcome to the official episode one of LedgerCast. I'm here uh, with my regular co-host, Josh Olsiewicz, otherwise known as Carpe Noctem by some. Hey, Josh.
1: Hey, Brian. Yo, yo, yo. It's
0: been an uh, interesting week since episode zero, the... Crypto market moves fast you could say. It feels like it's been
1: 2 months honestly. Like it's insane.
0: It's so yeah. insane. <laughs> I uh I don't I guess this is regular but it feels irregular to me. Um we were baffled by potential moves to 13,000 while we were recording last time and now people are talking about Bitcoin maybe crashing to th- 13,000 uh because I think it moved $6,000 within 24 or 48 hours after we talked. or something like that uh so this is interesting talking about kind of live price action uh in this space so we'll have to see how how specific we need to get when we talk about pricing with uh with crypto stuff but i think it'll be okay people will enjoy it we just got to get these episodes out fast i guess yeah i don't think we'll see
1: six thousand dollar moves quick like that often i think we'll see a few more like you know in a few weeks to come, but I don't think after that it'll be, like, quiet, you know? Yeah. It's crazy that we're uh, consolidating at all-time highs. Just absolute bonkers. Like, $17,000 Bitcoin? What? Like, (laughs) (laughs) January,
0: it was $1,000. $1,000. Insane. It really is. I uh, have been trying to make sense of it and figure out how much more of this to expect and draw in the parabolas and everything I can to try to figure out what the heck is going on. This is definitely your world though, so um, before I guess we get into the news, maybe since we're already talking price action, do you want to give like a a, a little spiel about where you feel like this is, what it means? Um, is this a blow off top or are we just at a new normal? What the heck is going on? No, I think like I tell people this as well, you won't need to ask if
1: it was a parabolic top to know that it was a parabola or a, a blow off top to know that it was a blow off top i think uh it'll be super obvious there'll be devastation and radiation you know it'll be just pure bedlam when it does happen um uh, but we don't just chill at all time highs you know that that uh, wick on coinbase was extremely local meaning just their uh exchange only really based on their inability to handle traffic and put stuff on the order book I mean, they even limit up to themselves. They shut down. They've done this a couple times since then, but they shut down the order book to post only for like five minutes, um, which is insane to think about and to to think about like the regulatory consequences going forward. Like uh, when this gets bigger, again, this is like a bootstrapped industry, startups still technically, even though Coinbase is a unicorn, they can't even handle like traffic. I get it. It's a web scaling issue. uh, But. It's not just scaling anymore. It's like millions of dollars now. and Billions. Uh, yeah, and I don't know what, uh, you know, if they make a wrong decision one day on when to and when not to turn things off, um, that's good, not going to be good. <laughs> so yeah. I applaud them for doing what they did that day. Uh, I think it was the right decision, but I'm sure there are some people who didn't think that was the right decision. And not, like, I don't know what legally the the line there, you know, yeah, a- even I if there been. is one, I don't know.
0: I have no idea. I do know they uh, just did a whole bunch of infrastructure upgrades, so hopefully they're going to be a little more prepared. That'll probably be a regular thing as well. Um, but I stayed up late just in case it was going to be some coin listings, <laughs> but it, yeah, it we, we got to get to that too. Uh, yeah, yeah, we will. But yeah, uh, Litecoin.
1: You know, I think we. Um, I don't understand Litecoin price action at all right now, other than the Coinbase effect. I just think like technically. There's no basis whatsoever to be up here.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, you wrote an article on Brave New Coin where you kind of showed uh, price completely exiting uh, all barriers. And that was, I think, it was FIB levels and definitely the pitchfork that you had drawn, right?
1: Yeah, so it blew out of the FIBs, it blew out of the pitchfork. You can check out the article on uh, Brave New Coin with the charts, but um, yeah, other than people just seeing like the low coin on Coinbase who don't know any better, any better and just buying it, uh, I really don't. know have like rationale not that you need rationale but just doesn't make much sense to me
0: yeah i guess that's towards the dollar charts too though so like relative to bitcoin it wasn't like it was blowing past all-time highs or anything but the pace of the the gain was uh pretty intense to say the least right yeah i think uh
1: you know the holders were holding holding hol- holding or hodling i don't even know how to say that but <laughs> They were holding, you know, sub 100 easy. I know lots of people holding in the teens, in the the less than teens, just for years. And uh, so they're not going to sell. Not when they see Ethereum at 700 or uh, 500 at the time uh, or less, 400, whatever it was. Um, You know, they're making decisions based on relative to everything else, I'm pretty sure. And just like the future protocol upgrades and all the other stuff, SegWit, uh, whatever, Lightning. But yeah, the people buying now have no clue. I I just think it's like a couple institutional people, maybe or more than a couple that, uh, and then there's nothing for sale, and then boom, we're at three hundred. You know.
0: And then a lot of surely a lot of retail buyers too. I mean, I had several friends asking me about Litecoin being a good buy purely based on the it's on Coinbase, it's another alt, it's not as expensive, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, and then Uh, we can talk about Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving effect.
0: Yeah, you have an amazing chart for price since Thanksgiving. So, why don't you just, <laughs> what's your theory on that?
1: Yeah. So, like, I was telling people who were asking me, just my family, because um, we talked a lot about it at Thanksgiving, just because it's sort of disrupted my own life in a good way. Um, and pe- right. people just want to know what's going on. And, uh, you know, so I'm telling them about this and they kind of already know because Bitcoin's in the news. And a few people were asking me, like, okay, on Coinbase, what do I buy? And, like, you know, oh, we should say, by the way, this is not investment advice. Uh, Purely educational information.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to put the disclosure at the beginning of shows. Yeah, it?
1: and I, I just told them uh, do fifty percent Bitcoin, twenty five percent Ethereum, and Litecoin. And this was at Thanksgiving, and since then, you know, Bitcoin's up one hundred and ten percent. Ethereum's up fifty five percent today uh, from Thanksgiving, and then this is November twenty fourth, and then uh, Litecoin's up three hundred and twenty eight percent since Thanksgiving. Wow, insane! Litecoin was sub a hundred dollars
0: on eleven twenty four. Uh, November 24th. So yeah, it, it, it had really uh maintained stability if you will. I think that's what Charlie Lee usually likes to say when he's talking about Litecoin that it's a, it's stable. Uh that argument went out the window now. Um but it was bleeding out through um Bitcoin's growth just like a lot of alts really. Um but the the magnitude of its reversal and, and growth now has been just intense. And there's got to be a lot of uh, a big retail element to that led by, certainly led by Coinbase. Like if you, I, I now for the Ethereum, Bitcoin and and, and Litecoin, I have to keep uh, several exchanges in trading view because the difference can be 10% or greater because of the, whether it's the retail lead or the lack of arbitrage potential right now, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's been intense and like and GDAX has definitely been kind of leading the pack on really all three.
1: Yeah, a lot of people ask me this. I like using indexes because it it, you know, helps you see everything at once, like bird's eye view. But the problem is if you're trading on GDAX and you're using an index, you know, your targets are gonna be off, your entries are gonna be off, your stop losses are gonna be off. So you kind of have to chart the exchange you're trading on, but I think it's still important to look at the index to see what's going on. Um, I think the GDAX premiums are led by definitely retail, but also led by that uh, $25,000 instant buy. Uh, I feel like that plays mm-hmm. a big role as well, just keeping the premiums up. I don't really know like how, to, how that translates mathematically compared to the other exchanges. But, um, yeah, the premiums, uh, even on LTC, were just insane compared to Bittrex. Um, the LTC-BTC ratio, for instance, there was some sick, arb, sick arbitrage to be had there if you had the wherewithal to see what was going on.
0: And you had to be ready to go, too. I mean, yeah. I guess with uh, Litecoin's pretty fast right now, but um, I know Bitcoin's been a little harder to arbitrage recently, right? Because, yeah, impossible, uh, really. Just because <laughs> transactions. Yeah. And, it, and another thing people don't realize is, Uh,
1: and this might sound like sacrilege to some people but if a network is slow or lagging just use another one like if you're trying to transfer btc to another exchange put it into ltc through ltc btc and then transfer it
0: yeah i've used i've used litecoin several times purely as a transport vehicle yeah um which all alone is a pretty i guess a a relatively bullish uh (laughs) fundamental indicator um i had a friend last night that was trying to transfer money off of of GDAX into one of the alt markets, and trying to take advantage of some of these setups that exist right now. And his, he did it in Bitcoin, and it has been sitting there for six, eight, 12 hours, I don't even know how long, mm-hmm. um, when he could have been over there in 15, 20 minutes through Litecoin, purely because the network uh, is a lot more open. You know, the pipes aren't clogged right now. I don't think it's necessarily because the protocol is so much better. It's pretty much the same, but mm-hmm. the um, but the pipes are open um no yeah i I agree
1: though uh and again that's gonna sound like sacrilege to some people but whether or not that creates an in-kind taxable event i don't know that's beyond me but uh that's another thing to consider when you're trying to go in and out from uh, bitcoin to ltc and yeah the network's similar you know the blocked uh block times are like two minutes two and a half minutes and uh no one's not really you know relatively no one is using it compared to bitcoin there's Definitely fewer uh, unconfirmed transactions, which means the fees are lower. You know, there isn't thirty thousand transactions at a penny, or less, far less than a penny, which is Bitcoin's case. Over thirty thousand transactions are currently sitting unconfirmed with uh, fees under a penny, far under a penny. So,
0: yeah, I think the f- the the potential drawback is that once you get it somewhere, then you have to sell it to Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, so most exchanges are going to have a fee related to that um so it's not a perfect transfer vehicle but for the for the transfer itself it's it's pretty good yeah, but I'm since just, you don't have trading trading pairs to litecoin it makes it harder i guess once you get there yeah for sure i mean you just
1: go back to ltc btc but like you know
0: people are i just see so many people freaking out about this
1: stuff uh, who don't know that they could do that uh, or maybe they do and they just don't i don't know but uh, that's definitely an option to consider if it's like super time critical that you want to get that over there. Uh, but for the most part, for me, I'm not in a rush to transfer stuff. Um,
0: anything that's that I want to sell or whatever is already on the exchange anyway. So, uh, Yeah, yeah you, you mentioned taxes, by the way. Um, I've noticed an enormous amount of uncertainty from people, even people that have been in crypto for a while about uh, what's a tax event and what's not. Mm-hmm. So I've actually been working on an article that will not be... <laughs> tax advice per se, but kind of the way I'm treating it, what I know, uh, so I'm hoping to get that out soon as well so if people are looking for a resource. Um, I have some some thoughts on that because I've seen a lot of misinformation um, I am going to run it by my lawyer and accountant first (laughs) to make sure that I'm not like totally out of bounds. Um, yeah, there are, there are free websites that'll like, you give them your, your transaction history and it'll uh, like spit out your tax information. Um, right. Yeah. And I've got recommendations for that as well as, uh, just some general concepts that people need to better understand because right now I don't think they do. Um, I've seen a lot of people say like, oh, well, as long as I'm trading in crypto, then I don't have to pay taxes. And yeah. that's not not truth, Yeah, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Uh, so yeah, I've got an article I'm working on in that regard. Or I'm, um, I'm in Tether, I don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> I'm like, well, good luck. Have fun <laughs> claiming that one, uh, you know. Whatever. Yeah, good luck. Um, I don't use Tether, I just use the RX as my fiat uh, fallback, so um Yeah. Anyway, so back to, I think it's interesting, both Charlie Lee and Vitalik uh, Buterin made these like kind of warning sign comments about the price action the last couple of days. Uh, Do you think that's them just being a little concerned about overall market cap? All crypto hit uh, a half a trillion market cap, I think, yesterday. So uh, where do you think those kind of comments come from? Are they just astonished or are they truly worried or what do you think's happening there?
1: You know, I love Charlie. I love Vitalik, but then he to stop commenting about price
0: <laughs> for good <laughs> yeah, or for bad. They keep saying they won't talk about price anymore. And then something crazy happens and they say something about price.
1: It's like, talk to me about the protocol and scaling. I don't care of what you think about price. Like it's great that they're on CNBC. I have you know, Vitalik on CNBC, it would be huge. I don't know if he'd be like <laughs> forward facing enough for them I don't know. I feel like in a sit-down conversation, he'd be okay. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Charlie, like, just relax with the the price stuff. <laughs> I think he gets a lot of crap from people who buy Litecoin, see him as the face of the Litecoin, and then Litecoin goes down, and they blame him. Like, I get it. There's like some guilt there, probably from him.
0: Um, I don't know, but yeah, I, I, you know, again, I think he, yeah, I think you're right. He's probably nervous about someone buying in it four hundred dollars and then what well, if it does go to 250 <laughs> or or 100 or you know whatever uh, but that's part of being a developer I've seen several coin developers uh complain I guess about the number of comments they receive about price and stuff and it's probably hard not to pay attention to it but I thought it was interesting they're just seeing tweets and not necessarily I don't know if maybe they just don't realize the potential network effect they have on something like that but It's certainly not small, the type of influence they can have talking about price. Yeah, I think, um, you know, how can you not look at the price, right? If you're the developer, I mean, that's
1: like your baby. So you care about it and you want it to be nurtured and succeed. And when you see this speculative bubble, which is what this is, really, I mean, in Litecoin's case, again, these people are going to shoot me for saying this, but... um, it's just yeah. not, well, you know, all, it's not sustainable. All, all crypto is speculation. Right it is, now. it is. It's It's greed, it's spec, it's unsustainable. It doesn't scale. None of it works properly. It's all in beta, whatever. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not like hating on Litecoin specifically. Um, just like I'm th- thinking like what's going through Charlie's head, you know? Like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know the metrics as well as I do for Litecoin either. I, they're not really out there compared to Bitcoin that I'm able to see. Just from like adoption metrics. Um, I don't know. That's another thing, because like Litecoin has, hasn't had its like killer app, like CryptoKitties, which we failed to talk about last week.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, CryptoKitties is on the mind this week because we really missed the opportunity. Uh, but I'm afraid it might be dead already. Uh, it, it seems like the CryptoKitties futures are are not looking bright. Yeah, so I didn't really get. You've been keeping up? No,
1: I didn't really get like into it. Uh, it's funny. I see all this stuff like come through, and I'm like, oh, that means I have to learn about this and talk about it in a brave new coin article. Like it's like, <laughs> like that's my extent of like
0: caring about most of this stuff. Um, when I see news come through, I'm just like, uh. So there are probably people here that don't know anything about CryptoKitties. I didn't until I saw like I saw it mentioned like 20 times before I figured out what was even happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, someone created this digital kittens app built on the Ethereum network that went ballistic. Um, everybody was wanting their own crypto kitty. There was a secondary market for crypto kitties. I think one sold for the equivalent of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, which is probably two hundred and fifty thousand dollars now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it essentially clogged the entire Ethereum network. Um, which was uh good and bad. It was good because some people were legitimately saying like this is this is a a dap on top of Ethereum. That's a that's a positive thing. And on the bad side is uh, this is a pure sign of Ethereum being atrocious at scaling. How are we going to put, you know, all of our uh, information infrastructure on a network like this? Um, I think it was, but it was fascinating to see the two biggest crypto networks completely clogged together. Yeah. between Bitcoin and Ethereum. Yeah, to
1: see unconfirmed transactions on Ethereum was interesting. I didn't think that ever happened, honestly. Um, and to see, I think at one point the fees were actually higher on Ethereum than. Uh, Bitcoin. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't have proof of that currently, but that's just what I heard from people. Um, Yeah, I think it was more good. I think overall, definitely good. Like, again, we're in beta. Stuff's going to happen. Get messy. Uh, You're not going to want to hear that with like a multi-billion dollar market cap. Uh, But people need to realize like... (laughs) There's stuff out of their control. These are all decentralized vehicles. And if somebody wants to make something like this crypto collectible that just took off and uh, it's going to stress test the network. But mainly the important thing for me, other than stress testing, was it just got so many people talking about what to do with blockchain type stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. It kind of reminded me of the Yo app. Do you remember that on uh, iOS or somewhere, wherever it was? And it was like created to be incredibly dumb and then just went, insane because it kind of had an interesting effect where you can just ping someone you know you you yo them but it ended up being huge and created this this broader concept of like oh we can probably use this and other apps and stuff um and it kind of reminds me of that because crypto kitties itself may be insignificant in terms of like it's not going to change the world or anything but showing that you can create a uh, a market and this whole concept of of whatever this is kind of paves a path for what else can exist there and helps uh visualize it at least yeah i think we'll see branded stuff going forward on the blockchain like
1: could you imagine like a disney product collectible on the blockchain like that'd be unique and interesting and um i don't know enough about enough to talk about dragon chain specifically but that's one thing that's semi-related to disney as far as i know i don't don't know if you know anything about dragon chain
0: yeah it was uh and we can get into icos uh dragon chain was interesting it was kind of at the Depths of being depressed about alt's because Bitcoin was running. So the ICO I think only raised nine or ten million. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably would have raised a hundred million a few months ago. Um, I knew several people that actually put into it. It was uncapped, so being uncapped and not raising ten million was interesting. Uh, it has D- Disney team members or former Disney people, and there's kind of this loose Disney association that people are making from it. I'm not really sure how legit that Disney association is or isn't. Um, but it's definitely a pitch point uh, it's cute little dragons uh, I don't doubt its ability to do do something interesting mm-hmm. um, but yeah it's a it's another it's another network out there it's it's and it's since it's listed it's done well I think it it benefited from good timing in terms of how the broader markets are doing because uh, you know we talked about Litecoin we talked about ethereum but um, in response to um, Bitcoin hitting those highs and then not crashing but also not Immediately going to whatever twenty twenty five thousand, and just kind of staying sideways at uh fifteen to seventeen thousand dollars really caused a pretty big spike al- amongst all uh, altcoins and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been really interesting, and then some of them have really bounced hard, and was good timing for uh for this Dragon Chain project. For example, so we'll see what can be made on that. But yeah, that would be and it would be interesting if it became a platform for something like that. But it's very, very, very speculative right now. I don't think either of us are advocating people go put a bunch of money into Dragon Chain right no, now. No, for sure. But the people that invested in that ICO have so far done pretty well. Um, and it, it, ICOs in general seem to have lost their flavor uh, for a few months mm-hmm. because there were a lot of scams that popped up, mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of sketchy stuff, and the SEC actually just came out. Did you read what the SEC wrote about ICOs? Uh, I need to read it again, but I did read it. Um, I think they're dead on. I think they're cold and calculating and they're, they're
1: the long arm of the law and they're going to find things whether you like it or not. I think there are a lot of scams out there. More more scams than not scams, which kind of give mm-hmm. ICOs in general a bad rap, I think, uh, for people who are super skeptical like myself. I'm just that I'm an ICO
0: minimalist, if anything. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it seems like they they kind of expanded the scope, if anything they didn't really say anything super new, but they mm-hmm. kind of expanded the scope in terms of saying you know probably a lot of these things are securities mm-hmm. uh, and uh, consumers should be very careful and we're paying very close attention so it'll be I'll be curious if a lot of existing projects kind of tighten up um it also makes me wonder if some of the pauses that we saw, especially from Bittrex, I felt like really slowed down in terms of listing coins and they actually delisted a few coins and seemed like maybe something else was going on there. And I wonder well, if they're they kind of... They're trying to clean up their act. I think that's clear on that
1: email they yeah. sent talking about like orders and uh, they're just trying to, you know, not maybe not pretend like they're a big boy now, but just uh, try to grow up a little bit, <laughs> try to mature. Right. Um, but most of these ICOs, like the question is, is it a... Is it a security? Yes or no. How do we know if it's a security? Okay. Is it? Uh, does it pass the Howey test, which basically talks about uh, using the work of others or uh, promising future gains based off of others, something like that? Uh, look it up. Uh, is it? Is it that, or is it a utility token, which is like a Chuck E. Cheese token? Okay. Like it's essentially worth whatever it's going to be worth, but I can use it for something like an app or a, a payment of some kind. And I think the recent SEC rulings were talking specifically about pre-functional utility tokens being securities. And Marco Santori th- wrote this great thread. He's like, a, I think he's a lawyer of some kind. I don't really know if he works for Cooley or who he works for. But um, there's this great like tweet storm thread, talk, him talking about pre-functional utility tokens. Um, because it's like, again, everyone's trying to think they're smarter than the SEC right? <laughs> and they're not going to yeah. get caught. Um, but I think bottom line, if you have a utility token with a functioning app, uh, I think you're okay. (laughs) Not legal advice, but, um, it's certainly better than calling it a utility token without a functional app and thinking you're not a security. So,
0: yeah. And there may be a difference too, in terms of, um, what it is after they've raised money versus when, while they're raising money, I guess, because some of them are, have this language, like mm-hmm. uh, TZO's got into a whole bunch of stuff. It's probably one of the top of the list in terms of uh, weird stuff going on between their team and like what they call the funds that were raised. And they're basically, they compared them to tote bags, I think, because yeah. they said they were all donations. Yeah. Uh, but certainly no investors actually think that. Mm-hmm. So how that ends up playing with the SEC, whether they're looking into that. I can't imagine that they raised so much money and the SEC is not looking into something like that. Yeah, for so, sure. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the Wild West. People investing in new ICOs, because it's not like ICOs are ending, no. should probably be pretty careful. And also note that uh, you know if you're in the U.S. versus you're somewhere else, there's probably different rules in terms of whether you uh could or should participate um that was another thing that probably made the dragon chain one interesting for people is that they somehow had it set up to where participating from the u.s was totally fine hmm. um anyway so yeah lots of interesting stuff there uh but moving on to a couple other uh things that happened this week before we try to sneak into the the primary topic so you talked to be casher so what's your in real life conversation situation <laughs> there yeah, so I talked to a Bitcoin Cash individual. A few. Um, not
1: necessarily is, like representative of all of them, but uh which I hesitate to think of. We have to get rid of this like in-group, out group bias to like pull some terms out of nowhere. <laughs> um mm-hmm. but you know, at the end of the day, to me, all of this is uh typical of like factionism and you you sit down, and you talk to somebody like face to face about this, and you agree on more than you disagree for the most part um we didn't get to talk about everything that i wanted to talk about but uh which is fine you know i think the big concern from them was bitcoin now doesn't feel like it does in 2013 when it was like uh just the techie people trying to figure stuff out i I think they're super concerned of like corporate interests bias and uh people trying to take over you know bitcoin in general and they think that uh the other chain is going to be the way to go. Um, they also mentioned some things I hadn't really considered, like they uh, they they were feeling that there's some sort of xenophobia towards Chinese and or the Chinese influence on Bcash. Um, and they wanted they wanted me to call it Bitcoin Cash. By the way, <laughs> we talked. Yeah, they did. We talked about that a little bit, and uh, and it's very clear again based on all the propaganda we're seeing that uh, Bitcoin Cash wants to steal brand, wants to steal new people from the space. I mean, you get Ver on uh, CNBC twice in one week talking about how Bitcoin has been a failure, <laughs> so, but uh, and he's got you know the wallet on his site that links to Bitcoin Cash, calling it Bitcoin. I mean, it's yeah. Uh, Roger
0: Ver is one of the primary uh, people behind Bitcoin Cash, and he owns Bitcoin.com, and he's creating brand confusion there. And I'm not, I've not been convinced, mostly because they're basically saying it. Although there's a little bit of. Uh, differentiation between Roger Ver, what what he's trying to do, and what uh, Jihan Wu is trying to do, who's behind uh, Bitmain and a lot of mining capacity as well. Uh, but it's been, as far as I can tell, it seems like they want to steal the name Bitcoin. And to me, that's just a non-starter in terms of wanting to trade it, wanting to chart it, wanting to do anything to legitimize it at all. Mm-hmm. Because in my opinion, that's a threat to the overall economy uh, of of crypto and bitcoin like i'm fine with forks i'm fine with going and doing something different mm-hmm. but when you're trying to say oh we're the real bitcoin i don't get that i don't even get how it can possibly be advantageous to them um certainly in the near term but even in the long term uh if if suddenly you can do something like this mm-hmm. and just everything about it stinks to me so i've been confused and and also confused by people that are also supporting it so the fact that you talk to someone that's Into Bitcoin Cash in real life, and they see it as like the true Bitcoin is fascinating to me.
1: Yeah, they, uh, you know, it's it's like this scaling debate that's disguised as like a power grab for me, (laughs) Uh, yeah, or a power grab disguised as a scaling debate. Um, Because you know, him and I talked about scaling specifically, and uh, you know, even I think Core needs to update their roadmap on scaling, which is on their website. You can check it out, uh, which I think we'll see in 2018. I'm kind of like on the fence about hard forks and soft forks because originally I was like so pro soft fork because like we could all choose what to do, what not to do. But then seeing like all these companies drag their feet on the right thing to do on Segwit, uh, it's like just hard fork it, screw it, you know? Hard fork it, go to two megabytes, whatever, and they can either decide to join the party or not. Like At this point, it's been, what, four months at least, uh, over a year since they've known about this thing. And then Brian Armstrong goes on C N B C and says it's not even one of the top five things people are asking for. What? Yeah, that was baffling. <laughs> what? like I just uh again, that stinks like Bitcoin Cash
0: thinks like it doesn't make logic sense to me.
1: Logical sense
0: to me. Yeah, I think we're two uh we're two Coinbase customers that would appreciate SegWit if Brian or someone from Coinbase is listening to this. <laughs> yeah, and I emailed uh, I emailed them about SegWit like
1: a week ago and they emailed me back recently, yesterday, and uh I don't know, some like a semi canned response, but they said they would pass it along to the team.
0: That's all that mattered to me that somebody heard my concerns. <laughs> yeah, that's all you can really hope for right now. I'm yeah. sure. Just thinking in terms of how companies work and how a startup works, they are probably uh, just completely underwater in terms of the demands for stuff they have to do right now. Um, but when there's a solution sitting in front of them for some of their problems like kind of makes sense you know and you can't be pro segwit 2x like die hard live like uh what
1: is this the term rider died segwit 2x right and then not implement segwit after it fails like again no right. logical sense to me
0: not say so nobody cares about segwit despite the fact that we were all all on board for segwit 2x it, that's the biggest thing the biggest reveal to me that it was um, there's a huge like business versus developers situation Mm -hmm. happening still and people just aren't willing to really kind of give up on that Um, and I think broadly like SegWit2x probably would have been fine with a lot of people had it been consensus between business and development communities and then they took a pitch to the users or you know the people that are integrating Bitcoin Mm -hmm. Um, that probably would have gone fine but the whole like way it happened just put a sour taste in my mouth for a lot of people so I'm kind of beating a dead horse from what we talked about last week but uh that'll certainly be a conversation that continues into next year
1: and then just to segue into like what i think coinbase is adding but like the cynical side of me says they wanted to add Segwit 2x so badly so that they had a fork that they could uh get fees for you know and i which is Mm. why i think they're going to add bitcoin cash uh buy and sell option no brainer from a business
0: perspective for me but so so not just distribution of bitcoin cash because that's what they promised about it before the end of the year was yeah. essentially get, give people access to the bitcoin cash because if you hold bitcoin on an exchange you don't have a private keys and uh and then you may or may not be able to have access to forks like bitcoin cash bitcoin gold and all the other six others i think you linked in an article yeah uh but they don't have any obligation to actually list it as tradable. So now what you're saying is you actually think they'll list it as a, as a tradable asset.
1: Yeah, I think they will. I think there's too many people who have it. I mean, you could say the same for Bitcoin Gold, but I don't think they're going to list that. Um, I, I think Bitcoin Cash just has some sort of community wanting to trade it <laughs> at the very least. Um, so it'll be an interesting event. If they decide not to list it, I'll be ecstatic. But I don't think that'll be the case
0: yeah if they if they don't list it my assumption would was going to be that it would actually from a price action perspective uh dump really hard and it may still but if it becomes a tradable pair i, I think long term its potential value is probably n- not low <laughs> if it, if it's uh a tradable asset on on coinbase that would be really legitimizing the a second bitcoin which is i don't i don't even know um,
1: well, you're giving free and, money to people after tax, like the new tax year. So I don't. I think for most people, they're going to want to dump it. But I don't know.
0: I don't know. Yeah. So let's uh, let's move into our primary topic. <laughs> um, it, we're we're halfway in, but we wanted to talk this week about uh, kind of what our buy triggers are for things, what our sell targets are. Um, I think both of us, you probably more than just about anybody on Twitter, get like target sir <laughs> tweets whenever you post some setup. So uh we want to talk more specifically about kind of indicators we use and what we consider buy triggers, what how we set our sell targets and that kind of stuff, which is applicable right now when we saw a lot of bottoms on alts. Um and and now we're seeing things running a little bit and how do we know when to get rid of them? So uh as a baseline what's some of the stuff that you use to to do this yeah it's funny like i'll give like a target and
1: like reasoning and rationale and somebody will say when it's like i, <laughs> yeah, don't, it's I like, don't know you man
0: you can't have enough like i just trade Do you, do trade you think it'll, tarot, it'll be man. within the next week <laughs> right
1: like <laughs> yeah like like when i posted the uh the ascending triangle for ethereum you know people are asking me when it's like it's a trade idea you know it's it takes time most of the time not everything's like bitcoin where it just pops like nuts but uh, some of these ideas like low time frame ideas those will pop quicker than the high time frame ideas if you're trading on a weekly time frame that's going to take some week you know some time to pan out when i'm thinking about specifically like vtc uh Vertcoin, mm-hmm. there's this edge to edge trade on Vertcoin, which is where price goes from one edge of the cloud to the other that's on a weekly time frame that, that could take months and i was surprised it kind of happened as quick as it did but uh when we're talking about when Uh, you just got to have have patience and that's why you know you either sit in bitcoin and trade that or you are in alts looking for uh, those charts and just kind of realizing you're losing money that's why that's just how i see it for most people into alts it's like you're basically uh, trying to beat a buy and hold bitcoin strategy which is hard to do right now um so unless you're unless you're perfectly buying the like semi-bottom and selling a semi-top on these ratio flips like litecoin for example you know all litecoin did was retrace three months of dipping in the ratio so yeah it's at 300 400 but uh compared to bitcoin who cares <laughs> like again right. f- people are going to shoot me for that but uh, so yeah what are my buy triggers okay so i trade patterns more than i think people realize i trade patterns i talk i don't know i talk about patterns constantly but uh if you don't know anything about patterns, uh, that's like super low hanging fruit. Pattern recognition that you can paste a printout on your wall, even, and just compare it each time you see a chart. It goes a little deep. Yeah, so
0: go ahead. Patterns could be anything, like anywhere from uh, ascending triangle to bull flags or whatever. Um, yeah, so we'll see in a triangles a lot. We'll see flags a lot.
1: You'll see flags are more like uh, ranging consolidation of a specific bound area, like this Ethereum uh, Ethereum before it popped. To what it did today, it was ranging uh, in a pretty tight uh, flag, which again told me it was going to go up just probability wise more than it was going to go down, which made sense based on the ascending triangle idea. So, all this stuff kind of builds on itself for the most part when we're talking about markup versus markdown. Um, so, you know, the win thing again, it's like you just hold it. You got to believe in the chart idea and you got to use stops, obviously, but you got to give it time to do its thing so chart patterns are a big buy trigger cloud signals massive buy triggers for me um but again it depends on your time frame like if you're trading if you're getting signals on the hourly time frame you can't expect those um ideas to give uh like bigger returns than something on the weekly time frame typically higher time frame means bigger return bigger percentage move typically i mean certainly lower time frames can trigger larger moves on higher time frames
0: but for the most part that's why I stick to higher time frames. Um four yeah, hours. I think sometimes your Ethereum, I think Ethereum is a good one to just work off of because it's <laughs> so well known. Uh so I'm um, maybe other people were looking at this before, but um you definitely did an article where you were like, Hey, here's this uh daily, weekly ascending triangle that's basically lasted since Ethereum had that huge run to four hundred dollars. And you were looking at this uh ascending triangle, which is a bullish indicator, but it's multi-month consolidation. So when you're looking on the U.S. dollar chart, it's even, but that's also coinciding with the Bitcoin chart where it was tanking because Bitcoin's rising while it's consolidating. Um, So if you're just holding Ethereum that whole time during that entire consolidation period versus the dollar, you're losing Bitcoin. And if your goal in trading is to gain more Bitcoin, then you're in the wrong play at the time. So you kind of want to time these moments of being in or out of the coin if this is your strategy, to say, okay, well, I want to be in this coin at the end of that consolidation period so that once it's ready to pop one way or the other, I'm ready to trade um, to trade on that and gain more Bitcoin in the process, whether you're long or short. But I assume most retail traders are going to just be long. They're going to be in the coin or out of the coin. <laughs> um, so with Ethereum, you are saying, okay, this looks like it's getting closer to the end of this ascending triangle and then there's a measured move off of that but the lower time frame maybe there's some pennant or something that can help kind of spur action to break out of the triangle or something So, and that's exactly what has happened with Ethereum. I think you wrote the article a couple months ago saying this is what I'm looking for and the end result was I think Ethereum, I think your measured move off that ascending triangle was uh, a little over $800 which it did today so um, what is a what is a measured move off of, of a, of a uh, formation like that? Sure. So we'll go back to triggers again real quick. So the
1: triggers for this triangle were Bollinger Bands, which measure volatility. Those had been really tight. When that happens, you can expect a move shortly thereafter. So they got really tight. As they expanded, you can say, all right, they're expanding north or bullish. It's probably going to keep going. That's a sign of continuation generally. So that was part of the entry. The other part of the entry at that point was cloud signals uh, were screaming buy. So that was probably one of the few times I flipped from Bitcoin into Ethereum, uh, mm-hmm. on like the ascending triangle stuff, uh, just to capture that. Um, so that and,
0: was pro- and that was actually before it broke the triangle. So that was, yeah, it was. Uh, pr- probably off that kind of last bounce off the diagonal um, was when it was really tight on the Bollinger bands, and then the Bollinger band breakout, the cloud breakout, that's what led it into the break from the ascending triangle. So your entry could have been the diagonal mm-hmm. uh, is a little more aggressive, and then another. Perfectly decent entry is actually on the break of the ascending triangle or on the retest, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I th- I think I traded that as ETH BTC, so it went well. Um,
1: but I might not. Have. I don't. I don't exactly remember. I know I was in and out of ETH a few times, and not in it now, which is disappointing. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, measured move. So measured move uh, again with patterns. It's almost always to the bottom, like extreme high to extreme low, and then you project that upward to the resistance or the uh, support. For flags, you just take the pole, the flag pole, uh, flags or pennants, and you measure that from uh, top to bottom, and then you take that and you move it. We'll put charts on the, the page for this, but you you move it to mm-hmm. the uh, the triangle point or the support resistant point. So that's how you get targets of 800 for this multi month thing. Um, you can also do if you're not sure like where the, the bottom of the pole is, just use multiple measure measured moves. That's what I did for Ethereum, and it actually hit both of them. Doesn't always do that, but uh, that's a really great way to do uh, cells you know it's it's that with fib extensions mm-hmm. from the top of the pole to the bottom of the pole same thing or the the entirety of the pattern if it's a cup and handle if you, you Fib from the top of the cup to the bottom of the cup and then your targets generally the 1.618 fib every time and so then that gives you between that and the measured move it's usually a range it's not always going to match uh, if only it does great but uh, when it doesn't you can say okay the resistance is going to be in this zone i can spread my asks or cells in this area and that's that's how i do it
0: yeah so when people say target you may actually have uh sell orders across that target because you don't necessarily know if it's going to drill right on whatever your target was um right ideally
1: ideally like i have the standard deviation in my head like on key especially the key part of the cloud it's like mean reversion okay so In my mind, there's this like standard deviation on this target that it's going to hit. It's either going to go above or below before it bounces, but there's a high likelihood it's going to go to that level. The same thing with all these targets. You can spread them out um, even when you're not sure. Spread them out like $50, $250, whatever it is. Like I hit a $19,000 sell on Coinbase. Just by like, <laughs> just by spreading stuff out, like, all right, like twenty two thousand seems like a good exit. So I'm just gonna go like a thousand, you know, around that, just like spread it out. And some of it got hit, so great. Uh, it doesn't always happen, but
0: you know, it worked out. So yeah, and I assume I hope people know what you know Fibonacci numbers are. Uh, but the there's Fibonacci stuff kind of across the board with uh, measuring trades. Um, so doing these uh, extensions from these peaks and valleys to create a 1.618 extension, a 2.618 extension, whatever. They can get pretty big in crypto sometimes. Like, I, don't, I think Litecoin blew through e- even the top one on this run, so sometimes they'll exceed your expectations. But if you're looking in the real world of what makes sense, a lot of times it's just that 1.618 extension. Um, and also, even between like kind of the zero and one, there's all these bars among in the in the retrace area where those are going to be more localized uh, resistances and channels that essentially creates where uh, if you want to trade on lower time frames and average down your price or whatever you want to call it, then you can use a channel like that to try and do that as well. So um, there's a lot of strategies in terms of playing these long term versus short term and 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 whatever else. But uh, I agree with you. I've definitely been loving the Fib extensions um you don't have have to believe like like, people might think like i believe in like
1: fibs or something like the deep down like in my heart of hearts that these numbers are like magical like no don't just divorce yourself from that completely okay (laughs) don't even like uh just think of it as a target and nothing else you know if you believe in fibs or whatever astrology you know to me that's all like hogwash but Uh, that doesn't matter like you don't need to believe in it to use it effectively okay so i know a lot of people have this like aversion towards ta in general it's like yeah it's voodoo it's magic you don't have to take it as gospel it's not science it's all about probability if you don't like it don't use it but i'm telling you it's it works out more than it doesn't so (laughs) so you should probably start using it
0: yeah and all you really have to do to even figure that out is uh put some of these moves on past uh charts you know go back in time yeah do some back Uh, look at Look at history. I like to do that, too, in terms of thinking what kind of velocity this might have. Mm-hmm. Um, so say you have some altcoin, because these especially, uh, I really like to look at, I, I, li- I like to look at alts versus Bitcoin in terms of what my profit's going to be, because I want more Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes when I'm thinking, OK, well, what, what could this do? I want to see, well, what's the U.S. dollar value and what's that look like? And when you get into this concept of uh, price discovery versus the dollar, something's gone higher than it's ever gone before. So now what's it going to do? And you can use a Fib extension um, to say, okay, well, I think it might hit $880. That's my current uh, Ethereum Fib extension for the 2.618 from the Fibs that I drew. Um, And that might be a target. Or it could go to the 3.618, but this is price discovery. It could go, who knows where it could go to, and then, if you're in uh, a BTC pair, so you're selling to Bitcoin, maybe you convert well roughly what Bitcoin is versus what this US dollar target is, and how's that correlate to the Bitcoin chart? And um, so, on that Ethereum pair, I like it right now because on the on the uh, ETH BTC chart, it correlates to the bottom of the cloud. Uh, so that 880 number should also be resistance versus uh, Bitcoin. So whether people are trading versus Bitcoin, or dollar or whatever. That's a reasonable target to to maybe sell some. Um, and if I hit that 100, percent that's okay. If I don't, that's okay. I'll hold on to some. Um, I haven't actually sold mine yet. I'm kind of banking on another round. Um, yeah, I mean, I but, saw
1: people selling Litecoin. Certainly not the majority of people, but some people selling Litecoin like sub 200. I'm like, why? It just broke out. Like again, patience. Take just if you think it's gonna go insane. I didn't think it'd go to 300, but I was patient enough to know like just let it do its thing it's going to figure itself out it's on coinbase you know price discovery whatever uh, because most people don't know about the ratios okay like retail people like people just buying like Mima and peepaw and grandma just getting in like they don't care about ratios right right they don't need to like trading usd value is fine i think we're seeing that across the board on every alt we're just uh people are paying attention to that specifically and just ignoring the the pairs uh, which is fine if that's what you want to do, like I don't care. Um, so yeah, just let it let it run, man. <laughs> These people just closing super early. Like I'm probably closing early at three twenty nine is where I close uh, eventually. But uh, you know, set your set your crazy targets like eight eighty and just let it go, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually I've liked uh, looking at the dollar for a lot of alts because yeah. You know, I've been thinking about it, and actually I think miners, so if somebody has a mining rig, they're looking to break even, whatever, um, they're going to probably be looking at the U.S. dollar price a decent amount when they're thinking, is this a good time to sell these coins that I've mined? Um, if a team is paying their employees, uh, it might be worthwhile for them looking at what the U.S. dollar value is. Um, and you know, I guess a few other th- reasons why that may be applicable, plus there's a big segment of the population of traders that's New enough to where they're not really paying too much attention to their overall Bitcoin balance or Mm -hmm. relative Bitcoin balance. So for me, it's uh, been a useful additional indicator to the Bitcoin charts. Um, Not the only one, but useful as an addition. And really, if you go look at a lot of these, uh, this will get into our pick of the week as well. Some of them... It's not that they've been like crashing. They've been crashing relative to Bitcoin over the past few months, but really they've been consolidating after those massive rises from the spring. Um, vers- they've been consolidating versus the dollar. And some of those are like ending these periods of consolidation, which maybe brings uh, another potential move, whether it's this winter or the spring. You know, depends on the coin. I don't know. Just calling for alt season is fascinating. It's like Bitcoin chills oh, out man. for two days Dude. and everybody's calling for alt season already.
1: When alts come back,
0: like for real, I'm going to have to just leave social
1: media for a while because the people <laughs> already nauseate me, like t- calling alts are back, like every consolidation move on Bitcoin. Uh, it's like when they eventually do come back, it's just going to be uh, too much for me to handle, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, so there's another buy trigger thing that I think is worth talking about. Um, we've been talking about breakouts more than more than bottom calling, but there's a lot of people that love bottom calling. Mm-hmm. Um and buying on historical supports and things like that so if you were trying to say like here's a good bottom calling strategy what Mm -hmm. would you what would you point to
1: well I always point to the doge chart it's like if you're trying trying to figure out a math problem and you go you add you you put in zero and you put in like a million thousand right so the doge chart to me is like just extremely extremes of extremes of just like a pump and dump thing whatever but uh it's got a buy zone it's got a sell zone every time and you know if you look at stuff like doge where it's at like this historically low buy zone area uh if you want you know you can buy it you can hold it again you got to be patient you got to realize you're going to be losing on the btc ratio most likely most of the time Uh, but eventually Mm -hmm. if it works how it did prior so you know past results can predict the future um buying at historical lows is fine for me uh I'm not a huge fan of that because I just feel like I'm losing too much with the Bitcoin stuff. Um, like all the people who bought alts before Bitcoin jumped to 17, you know, at, you know let's say you're into alts at like 10 because you think alts are cheap with Bitcoin at 10, right? Uh, people mm-hmm. are saying the same thing now and it might go higher. So I'm just super patient in Bitcoin in general. I'm not pushing for like alts. Most of the time. Um, But if you're looking at patterns again, specifically, like there's a lot of them right now that have Adam Eve double bottoms. So it's like it's a V and a U. And that's generally
0: consolidation, double bottom, reversal type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And the U is going to be a little uh, a little bit of a higher low than the V typically.
1: Yeah, not always. I feel like I see that more in crypto than I do anywhere else. And again, people like Mm -hmm. people rake me over the coals for like saying this pattern is not exactly like the pattern is supposed to be like, okay, well, you ignore me then and I'll trade the pattern. <laughs> well, welcome to crypto. And we'll see, we'll see who makes money. But yeah, welcome to crypto. Like things don't always look how they're supposed to look. And like Adam, Eve, double bottoms and crypto sometimes can look like a triangle too, which is confusing because it'll always look
0: like, like a bear flag, for instance. Um, if the Eve is higher than the Adam. Um, but yeah, yeah. A lot of the Adam and Eve patterns that are showing up right now on four-hour charts, mm-hmm. um, they just on the daily they look either just like a V or maybe like a little ascending triangle or maybe a bear flag. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. it can get a little complicated in terms of trying to decipher what those are. Um, and I don't know; it, it, these are all games of probability, so you just got to be careful when you are trading them. You can't just say, "Oh, look, Adam and Eve on the four hour it'll, it'll definitely go up by mm-hmm. the depth of the of the of the." pattern um, but on some of them it's already it, that is happening so that's the risks uh, that you take um, there, one other thing in terms of uh, something goes way up or something goes way down that I think is interesting is this concept of returning to the mean so if you're looking at like the cloud if the price gets way away from uh, say the, the Tinken, then it's going to it's drawn to come back to that because that's it's just returning to that historical average basically um is that something that you use frequently either if something dumps looking for a rebound or if something goes way up looking for uh potential new entry prices lower oh uh, definitely and people always ask me like how low do I think this is
1: going to go or where can I get in cuz I miss the entire move even though I saw the flag and did nothing um it's always the same answer it's always like the 4 hour kijun or the daily kijun or some like pitchfork median line something like that um it's mm-hmm. it's always just trend reversion even though it always seems like it's too low, it's not going to keep going down. There's no way it's going to go that low. Like I hear that all the time. <laughs> like, okay, well, I'm going to put my there. If it hits great, if it doesn't, that's fine. I'll, I'll chase it a little bit up as it moves. But um, generally, it it more often than not goes back to some sort of reversion of some kind.
0: Yeah, and it takes a special type of person too, if it's a dump especially. And you know it's like all of a sudden loses 30% of its value versus Bitcoin and it's far away from... Uh, any of these indicators to say, all right, well, I'm going in. I'm catching that knife and watching it rebound. Um, yeah, and you have to like recognize that emotion and say,
1: I know how to use this. Like, this is an indicator for me, for me personally. Like, if I if I'm feeling like I don't know, like I I buy. Like that's how I know it's it's okay. To, <laughs> it's okay to, to get in because
0: more often than not, like I'm not going to feel good about that entry. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that feeling probably depends on where in the market cycle you are too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you're Buying the dips or whatever at the in you know uh, August or October or whatever, um, you may have a lot longer to go and be careful with those position sizes because you may be holding on to them for a long time. Yeah. Um. But maybe when you're already in kind of market lows, like you were talking about with Doge, and you see a big dip, say to 15 Sats when it's been sitting at 2021, maybe maybe that is a good time to buy some Doge Mm -hmm. (laughs) or whatever coin. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I know. During the fall, every time I rage dumped something because I was just not confident in the pattern. I didn't actually regret it. Uh, if anything, I regretted the ones I held on to once they left my own stops. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So you just got to be careful with that and be mindful of the fact. I think that especially relative to Bitcoin, um, every alt can always go lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Seeing seeing that with Zcash has been fascinating recently <laughs> because. Uh, You know, it reached all time lows and then just kept going and now it's spiking back up a bit, but that doesn't necessarily mean it can't still go lower. It's still consolidating versus the dollar is the thing that I'm looking at. So if Bitcoin has another run, I could totally see Zcash making even lower lows, which would depress a lot of people that have it at a high price. Um, Yeah, and all these Adam and Eve's can just get wrecked by
1: Bitcoin making new all time highs here. So that's mm -hmm. another reason I'm like not all in on alts right now. Um, I just think Bitcoin's got room to go as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. So we'll see so. what we'll see what it does.
0: but yeah, um, and then you talked about cloud indicators. I think both of, I mean, I learned this from you, so uh, both of us uh, like the cloud in terms of of trading. Um, you have a whole series that I can link to. I've linked to it a lot of times on how to use the cloud for indicators, and that's essentially trend confirmation. So if the cloud is all four things on the checklist are ticked. Then that's your indication of essentially a bull market on that time frame, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how does the cloud? Let's
1: we're gonna let's do questions. We'll do questions. So we had okay. some Twitter questions. Yeah, this is King Midas. King Midas. They want to know how
0: does the cloud know? It's a good name, King. Midas. Yeah. <laughs> so
1: how does the cloud know? Why does BTC price happen after the USD price move? Uh, so how does the cloud know? The cloud is dynamic support resistance. When those check boxes are ticked, it's telling you that it's either uh, going above or below that dynamic support resistance, and that's why the entries are where they are. Um, mm-hmm. That's how the cloud knows. <laughs> and uh, you know, for things like edge-to-edge trades, all that is is mean reversion specifically. Uh, you know, when you see that flat line on the cloud on the Kumo, that's a fifty percent fib of the move, basically. Um, mm-hmm. When you see a k- yeah, that's Go that's ahead. the
0: definition of that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's that's all it is. Like if you don't know that, you're like, well, this is like amazing, right? <laughs> or like or like <laughs> chart patterns, like if you don't know chart patterns, you think like I'm some sort of wizard, but like you can do this too. Like it's not that hard. I promise. Um all you have to do is just draw it out and know what the patterns are. And the same thing's for cloud. Like you just have to know Entries, triggers, and the levels that uh, the cloud is telling you,
0: and that's why the price, ha-
1: more often than not, you know, acts the way the cloud thinks it's going to.
0: Yeah. One other note on the um, once all four of those things hit, like if you're not if you don't speculatively enter before all four triggers hit, mm-hmm. um, you may not want to enter when the price is way up above the uh, the Tinken line or um, the kijun yeah. yeah yeah you may you may want to set your order on a retest of either the Tinken if you're really aggressive or or the the cuz it's usually gonna retest that even in the bull trend and it's gonna use those as that dynamic support mm-hmm. during that run so mm-hmm. you could you could potentially lose money if all four of those triggers hit but you're not in until it's like way up above on the kind of reaction uh to bullishness I guess um yeah and even so, on this ethereum rise like during that uh flag that uh,
1: ranging flag like it, it hit the key June twice more at least so there's your re-entry right there a few times even if you don't believe in signals or, or uh, patterns rather you can at least use the mean reversion strategy to get in if you missed the ascending triangle breakout or whatever yeah
0: so that's how the cloud knows um i think one especially when say alt are not back or whatever you want to call it like you're looking for more subtle moves if you're in an alt play those edge to edge trades can be really great, um, mm-hmm. especially on lo- like a four hour time frame. Mm-hmm. So if something does pop into the cloud, the high probability move is that it's going to go from the bottom of the cloud to the top of the cloud. And then if your stop is essentially some kind of cloud exit or whatever, um, you might get stopped out sometimes. But a lot of times you're gonna you're gonna hit that trade. And you know if it's really bullish, it'll break out of it. And maybe you'll uh, not catch it all if you set your order ahead of time. Or if you're monitoring it pretty closely, you can just kind of keep moving up your stops using uh, various tools. I know you like the Williams fractal on that, and you did a video on setting oh. stops using the using Williams fractals, huh?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and back to the edge touch
1: thing real quick. Like you can think of the edges of the cloud as like very uh, rigid lines. Okay, so if it breaks one line, it's going to go to the next one. Just think of like the middle of the cloud as this like puffy area of soft cotton, right? And then Price price can do price can do all this stuff. It can go like you know zigzag, whatever. But uh, it's gonna want to test the other edge, and it's gonna probably see the other edge as resistance or support, depending on the direction.
0: Yeah, one of the, I'll give an example coin that I liked to play mm-hmm. in that recently, which mm-hmm. was Counterparty, um, which is just this coin. And it, long term, it's kind of on these lows that mm-hmm. might uh, m- might have an opportunity for long term gains, but in the meantime. The daily cloud was like some, I don't know, 30, 40% move. And it just seemed to love bouncing back and forth like every day. <laughs> so it was a pretty yeah. good opportunity if you are looking to play that and you're willing to take the risk of some drops. But uh, being able to play a 30% move on a almost daily basis was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so another question from D. Brizzy. Is 2018 looks to be the year of the Dex, which is the decentralized exchange. Are you currently trading on any? And which ones have you most excited? Are you a decentralized exchange trader?
1: Uh, no, I don't. I don't think there's any reason for, for anybody to trade on a decentralized exchange right now. It's all about liquidity. If you don't have that, you don't have your. You know, all this stuff we're talking about with entries and exits and stop losses just goes completely out the window. Order books are thin. Prices all over the place. Yeah, it's just impossible really to trade how i want to trade anyway so no i don't use it yeah. Decentralized exchanges uh do any excite me i'm involved with one altcoin.io it's exciting to the point where they're doing something new i don't know if it's going to end up being an exchange that we know and love as an exchange um but at the very least they're going to do some uh, interesting tech type introductions into the space so we'll see you know it may fail who knows but if it does anything, uh, I think it's going to do some interesting things.
0: Yeah. A couple others that uh, I think are interesting. Uh, Waves essentially has their own kind of decentralized mm-hmm. exchange with the ability to really easily make tokens and all sorts of stuff. And they seem to have some, uh, a little bit of a foothold. Obviously, Waves is pretty much the primary traded token there. Uh, but it's still interesting to me. 0x, uh, we talked about it last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a lot of probably big business support, if mm-hmm. you will um and the reason i like that one i am a uh, a holder of that one um (laughs) i like it because of the shared liquidity that's my fiat i joked last night about that because uh if you look at the dollar chart on zero x it's basically been stable at whatever it costs a quarter or something (laughs) but it's been just getting demolished by bitcoin yeah and bit Um, shares is another decentralized exchange yeah, BitShares is a decentralized exchange. Uh, that one's been around a good, a good while. Counterparty forever. has got some stuff. Yeah, Counterparty too. actually, We'll need DEXs eventually. I don't think we're
1: going to need them in 2018 so much, but uh, eventually yeah. we'll need them.
0: But I think there's some speculative trades that are definitely going to be happening in 2018 based on the promise of a decentralized exchange because uh, it aligns well with crypto generally. I Actually, I just bought... Uh, one of the uh, I bought a speculative coin and mm-hmm. it's like a I'm just I bought it and just gonna let it sit there for a long time. Uh, which was called Heat. It's like a ten million dollar market cap. I learned about it from Not So Fast, who was all about it. Uh, did some research and decided to buy. And partially, I just wanted to see what it was like to use their own decent. Like you buy it off their own decentralized exchange. That's the most popular mm-hmm. place to buy it. Um, so I went through the process, used the used the wallet, bought some coins off Heat. That was pretty cool. Uh, so that's another one that's just, I mean, there's a lot of these projects, so it's mm-hmm. definitely unknown territory and going all in because one is going to be the future of decentralized exchanges is probably well, very dangerous. Like
1: one of the hundred is going to be like the one, right? I mean, there could be more than yeah. one, but like, that's
0: probably how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something's going to pop up and it's going to be the way to do it. Yeah. Uh, and all the others are going to have a hard time potentially. So just be careful with those types of investments. Mm-hmm. Um Matt Leskanic said, "What do you think about the future of anonymity coins? So anon, the anon segment, uh do you think it'll be uh simply a feature of Bitcoin or Litecoin or do you think they will survive or go big on their own? So this is Monero, Zcash, Zcoin, uh Dash kind of pivots or whatever that one's called. <laughs> there's the whole there's a the whole sector of uh" uh anon coins what do you think about them well dash and pivx have an option to
1: do anonymous transactions so they're like anon non-light and then zeke it was recently found out that most of the transactions are impossible to actually make anonymous because unless they're shielded from end to end uh you can read the paper if you don't have no clue what i'm talking about but um, like it was something like three percent of the transactions were actually anonymous uh, so it's not currently. actually like yeah currently like but Again, it's like, is that really an anonymous coin? I don't know. (laughs) Like, is it really a privacy (laughs) coin? Uh, Which I think, again, back to the price of Zeke was just getting wrecked. I I mean, that's why I sold my Zeke. I was like, all right, that's not what it says it is.
0: That's when I sold mine, too. Uh, And it did go down from there, but it doesn't mean it's going to stay there. Yeah, yeah. Um, They instantly put out a rebuttal um, that was compelling enough, but the researcher did pretty decent work in terms of saying, at least right now, uh, Zcash transactions are not anonymous yeah. often.
1: Um, So then there's Monero, which is like the cream of the crop as far as anonymous transactions are concerned. And how that works in Monero is, uh, it's basically like coin mixing via addresses. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I send from A to B, but it goes through two or three other people first. And then it also creates a new address on the receiver's end. So it's just completely... uh, Shielded in that respect from being traced or trackable or whatever you want to say that. Uh, do I
0: think they have a future? Definitely. I think. Yeah, I really like Monero. They do. There's one downside that's worth mentioning though. I don't know if uh, you ever talk about, it, but it's basically the the challenge of a hardware wallet mm-hmm. uh, support. Like, it's not a clone of Bitcoin or anything. Like, it's not easy to. Uh, so easy, it's not super easy to support Monero in hardware wallets. So some people critique it for that. But I like Monero. That's probably my biggest play if you will and i'm pretty into the whole sector because i do actually think this sector has a a pretty bright future at least for the next year or two. yeah i think we're going to see
1: coin analysis like we've never seen it before you know in 2018 or 2020 where whenever it's going to happen you know everyone's stuff is going to be analyzed and if we don't have anonymous transactions or confidential transactions at that point on bitcoin or litecoin uh, we definitely will shortly thereafter Uh, Mm -hmm. but i also think coinbase is going to stay away from cts or uh privacy coins because like there's some legal issues there um even though like wall street is all over zeke mainly because of this decentralized currency group hotbed um various bags yeah but i think in general like we're definitely moving towards that uh, i think i really honestly think if bitcoin moves towards confidential transactions with a softer hard fork coinbase just won't ever add that option um uh, Or, you know, you won't be able to ever do that through Coinbase just from a legal perspective. So either they'll refuse to hard fork or they'll um, just not allow it. Like Segwit, you know, they just won't put that option on their platform.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because a lot of retail fears for uh, Bitcoin are that it is used for dark money and it's untrackable and all these Mm -hmm. things. But actually, it's probably the most trackable asset ever. Yeah. uh, Because if you have a Bitcoin address, you can essentially uh, do the... Coin analysis, like you said, on the address and just find out everywhere and every transaction and everything and have a complete log. And I guarantee you the government's doing that already. And Actually, I know they are. Um, I have an interesting person that I, I know in, in in my area of town that's uh, an investigator for the Dep- Department of Treasury. Oh, <laughs> I, talked, I talked to him about crypto, and it's fascinating. But something like Monero or some of the others. Uh, Zcoin is another one that's really on the rise. Um, I don't, you know, it's to be determined if it's because of real world use cases or if it's just because people are loving it for the price action. They are introducing masternodes, but it's got this minting concept that's similar to Monero. It's based on the zero coin protocol. Um, so there's lots of interesting ones. I kind of spread myself out between them because I do think uh it'll be a good sector for the next year. Mm-hmm. Kind of a long term, long term play for me. Um, but yeah, it's interesting space. Yeah, so um, William
1: asks about BTC. We already talked about that a little bit. Uh, just look at the weekly cloud. It's it's still got yeah. some time on that. And then Flowers yeah, asks Co- us...
0: Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say Vertcoin yes yeah, long-term play. I uh, yeah. I entered that one, and I've swing-traded it, but it basically I'm waiting for the top-tier target uh, on the weekly to get it fully out, and even then I'll probably just keep rising those stops if it wants to keep going. Yeah, uh, it, it was flagging like in the cloud on the weekly,
1: so... It, it's got a bullish bias already on it um mm-hmm. and then flowers asks about fundamentals and holding what do I like best and why monero zeke or dash so again back to this privacy stuff um and it's interesting that like there's a lot of speculation around privacy before it's like a huge deal like again i think this is going to be a massive problem for crypto 2018 2020 whenever it happens it's going to be a, a big deal um i'm not like ringing the the death knell or anything but um mm-hmm. Yeah, like privacy coins are going to be a thing until, you know, Bitcoin implements privacy transit, uh, confidential transactions. So if you want to make that play, go for it. I'm not currently, but um, it's exactly. certainly an option, definitely.
0: Cool. Uh, we are like over time, basically. Yeah. Yeah, but so I was trying quickly, to
1: like get through this a little quicker.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, quickly, let's do coin of the week. Do you have a favorite coin of the week right now?
1: Uh, I don't have a doge, man. You just got to look at doge. Doge. It,
0: look at yeah, the chart. it down slow. again. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the the USD chart, which I don't know if I was the oh, first human geez. to look at the USD <laughs> <dose> chart. <laughs> uh, it's got a nice uh, nice cup and handle right now that's looking to break out of. So just saying, okay. um, <laughs> but versus Bitcoin, it's like at the bottom of this humongous uh, market cycle thing. That literally and... scraping the bottom right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also teasing a cloud entry, by the way. Edge to edge trade, maybe. Mm-hmm. maybe be very mm-hmm. careful yeah um mine is probably waves just because it's just been on this interesting pattern that i don't know it's been speaking to me uh, it's also kind of in price discovery mode versus uh, uh versus the dollar and apparently they got some news going got a lot of hype uh, i like the hype machine i got a small bag of waves not much but uh still riding it letting it go see where it takes me that's yeah, and and if, you're,
1: if you're talking about like fundamentals and holding there's privacy coins there's dex coins we kind of talked about those uh but like sort of spreading that out if you want to if you want to diversify um into that sort of thing definitely an option yeah
0: yep yep all right cool uh this is fun and we look forward to talking to everybody next time josh you got some stuff to plug man you put out a ton of videos ton of articles what do you got
1: uh yeah youtube carper noctum uh brave new coin just absolute look it's the best ta on the internet i'll just say it like that <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true uh, I'll I second that
1: yeah you know, we do three articles a week minimum uh, I don't know check it out follow me on Twitter and yeah. then you did a bunch of lists
0: for YouTube videos that oh yeah I did some I lists I really enjoyed
1: uh, people love end of year lists so check those out just like top indicators top coins I think for 2018 no surprises
0: really um, top charts yeah I don't know it was fun check it out awesome and uh, go to ledgerstatus.com and follow Ledger Status to keep up with that and we will catch y'all next time Monuments crumble In the blink of an eye The easy river Has just run dry In a house of cards I feel the breeze Wound so tight I can barely Oh, the chase
1: Oh, the chase